Today, we are continuing in our series in Galatians. We started it last week. Galatians chapter 1, the series is called Only Jesus. Only Jesus because we're talking about the gospel and how we are saved. And it doesn't come through anything that we add, not by works or anything, but it only comes through faith in Jesus. And so we're going to be opening to Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. We'll get to that in a few minutes, but you can open your Bibles to that now if you'd like. It's a story, uh, it's Paul's story, right? Paul is kind of giving his story, uh, his testimony, right, of kind of what had happened and how he came to hear about Jesus and how he grew in the faith. And I, I know most of us, we love testimonies, right? You guys love testimonies? Testimonies are great. It's people that come up and just share how their lives have been changed, right? How God has been working and changed them from a person that used to think, you know, it was all about this, and now it's about these things. It's about life transformation, and people love that, right? We had a bunch of testimonies in January, February. Each week we had one, and I know many of you said we really love that. We, hear, we love hearing people's stories. I'm reminded of the Phil Wickham concert this last December, uh, some of the youth went to that. It was here in Anaheim, but it was also on YouTube. So I saved my money, watched it on YouTube, and uh, enjoyed it just as much. But I remember in between the opening, Ann Wilson, and before Phil Wickham came, there was a testimony. A lady shared her testimony on her changed life, and it was cool. But here's what I remember. The MC after she was done, got up and said, that was amazing. That testimony was better than any sermon I've ever heard. <laughs> I can imagine as a pastor, like, oh, come on now. You know, I think he offended every pastor. Probably got his inbox filled with all these different links saying, you haven't heard my sermon, you know. Um, but I know what he means. I know what he means. He means, like, it's great to hear Stories of change. Um, and that's what we get with testimonies. What we get with sermons is we sometimes are told how we are to change, right? Not only uh, what, how, how we can change, but, but what it looks like. And so today, you're going to get a sermon on a testimony. So you get be the best of both worlds, I hope. Hope it inspires you, but uh, also equips you. But here's the thing. When Paul is giving his testimony, he is not starting this testimony to impress everybody. He is not trying to inspire everybody. Instead of a church testimony, he's giving more of a courtroom testimony. He's defending himself. Because what had happened is he had started these churches in this area of Galatia, and then he, after he got them planted and started, he went on, and uh, he'd come back and visit. But in between there were these people called the Judaizers, and they came in to undermine Paul. Everything that he had done, they said, well, that was cute, but that's really not the point. And so they changed everything. Paul came and said, you are saved by grace, right, through faith with Christ, that it's Jesus only. And these people came in and said, well, Paul, you did a great job. We appreciate what you did, but you only gave them half of the story. You told them about Jesus, and that's good, but you didn't connect it to the law of Moses. You didn't connect it to all that we have been doing, you know, for these thousands of years, right? The whole Old Testament. Paul, you told them how to be saved through Jesus. That's great, but you didn't tell them how they're to live. Now they're to live under the law of Moses, okay? So that's going to 
change a lot, right? It's going to change the, the, the time you worship. You know, you used to worship on Sunday, you guys. Now you're going to have to worship on, on Saturday, and you're, it's going to be a day of rest. It's a Sabbath day, so we're going to do that. Uh, you used to just kind of celebrate Sunday, but now we're going to um, celebrate all the other holidays, Passover and, and Yom Kippur and all of those things, right? Um, that's going to be part of our thing. Um, the diet, you're going to have to throw away your bacon and sausage, all right? That's, that's not, um, you know, kind of how we're, we're going to live. So we have to, you have to get rid of that. If you're going to please God, you've got to get rid of that. We're going to have a kosher diet. Um, and then um, uh, one more thing. Um, guys, this doesn't matter, ladies, but guys, there's something that you're gonna, we're going to tell you about called circumcision, all right? If, if you're going to please God, you, you've got to be circumcised, and so it was uh, what they did. They came in and they said, yeah, all that Paul did was fine, but we have to add these things. And here are these people, these, the, these Christians in Galatia were saying, well, we love God and we want to honor him and we want to please him. So, okay, if that's what it takes to please God, we'll do it. We'll do it and we'll make all those changes. And you could see why Paul is ticked. You can see why he is mad, because they came in and they undermined everything, and they're saying, well, he's not really an apostle. He just got this, you know, whatever he made, he kind of just made it up. He heard it from other people or whatever. And so Paul is coming in to defend himself. And so this morning, we're going to kind of hear a little bit of his story, but um, in the story, there's some things that stand out. There's some things that stand out for us. What I want us to hear is, is the, it's, it's all about transformation. It's how God took someone who was a sinner and openly, like, against Jesus, a religious person, but openly against Jesus, and how he changed him. And as he's writing, we're going to see some things that stand out that is important for us because if we are in that same boat, if we have been a sinner and we've received Jesus Christ and we've been saved, we are to transform as well. We are to change. And so what does that look like? And he'll give us some ideas. He'll talk about our very motivations, right, Um, who we seek to please. We'll talk about that this morning. We'll talk about how we hear God and how is is God speaking? Is he speaking to us? And and how do we put ourselves in a great place to be able to hear him and learn from him? And we'll just talk about what God does in transformation. Who transforms us? Are we in charge? Is God in charge and all that? And so those will be some things that we're covering this morning. And so I just want you to kind of have that uh, little mental tattoo, so to speak, of just thinking this morning about transformation. How are we transformed? How is God doing that in Paul's life? How is he doing that in our lives? So that's what we'll be covering this morning. But let's first start with our motivations. All right, motivations. The gospel changes our motivations. You cannot be a Christian and have the same motivations that you had before you came to Christ. Right? In other words, you cannot seek to serve God and love him and please him while we're stuck trying to please other people. That's what he says in verse 10. Right? Here's where he goes, he's writing this letter. He says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? Or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So right there from the very beginning, he says, listen, I'm not trying to please people. I can't do it. It's impossible. It's impossible to please people and be a servant of Christ. You have to pick one or the other. So 
who am I going to please? Am I going to be a people pleaser or am I going to be a God pleaser? And he says, clearly, I'm going to serve God because I'm with him. I'm the, in the kingdom of God. He's my king. He's the one that I am going to serve. The gospel, when it touches hearts, when it changes hearts, it affects men and women and it gives them courage and makes them confident, fearless leaders of Jesus. Right? Without thinking, without concern about what other people are thinking, our concern is on what, what God thinks and what pleases him. But we so often, I mean, I think this is one of our problems as we grow in, in the church and as we grow in faith, that we are very concerned with what people think, right? Our, our friends and family, and I, I understand that. But coworkers or even strangers what do strangers think of us? We're concerned with that. I mean, we want to be liked. We want to be known. We want to be accepted. We want to know that we matter. But who is defining that? Who do we want to matter to? To strangers and people that don't even know us? Or to God, who loves us? We spend a lot of time trying to, 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 be, uh, to be pleasing to the world. But that doesn't matter. I, I ran across this quote from Andy Warhol. Remember the artist from years ago? He says, nobody looks at anything. It's too hard. <laughs> it's, it's a very Andy Warhol way to say that, you know what, people don't care about anything else but themselves. Right? It's just, people don't care. And we, we try to live our lives for people thinking, oh, they're going to like us. But really, they don't care. But to God, you matter. God has loved you, and he's, he's, he's given you his son, and he's, he, he goes through such great lengths to show how much he loves you and he cares, and, and for that, that's the person I want to please. That's the person that I care about. I mean, let's be clear. It's, I'm not saying, you know, just don't, don't care at all what others, I mean, be rude, be offensive, be a jerk. Like, we're not saying that. And that's not even what the Gospels say. That's not what, what Paul writes about. So that it, it is okay to be liked by people. We should, we should live in such a way that the world says, that's a nice person. I respect that. They're cool. Right? We, when we live, I mean, even Romans 14, there's a lot of places. But I was thinking of Romans 14, verses 17 and 18. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness peace, joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God, but also receives human approval. Right, when you live a life of peace and joy, I mean, one, you're pleasing God, but people like you. Most. Not everybody. But it, that's okay. But it's like, are, am I seeking their approval, or am I seeking God's approval? If you're seeking God's approval, you'll also be respected. For the most part. But that's, that's the point here. It's that let's not be concerned with men. Let's not, let's not fear them. We are going to fear God. We are going to live our lives for him. He's our motivation. All right? So how can I help with this? How can I help with this? Because I feel like there's probably a lot of us that are thinking like, oh, yeah, how do I, how do I do? I've been living my life so long to please people. How do I please God? It, can I please God? And that's a good question because there's a lot of people that think, 
don't even try it because God can't be pleased. The only thing that pleases God is perfection, right? And I fail all the time. I can't please God. God. God's not pleased with me. Is that the truth? I don't see that in Scripture. If you want to do more of a study for this, I'd encourage you to open up a Bible app and do a search and put in the word pleasing God or a variation of that. You're going to see a lot of verses. Um, here, here's just a few. I mean, Psalm 19, 14, like, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. But I, I want my mind, the way I think, the, what I say to please you. God can be pleased with those things, how, how we, what we think about and how we talk. In Romans 12, 2, it says obedience is pleasing to God. So uh, we're not perfectly obedient. We know that. But when we obey, when we follow, we please God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he's talking about uh, a whole bunch of things. And he says, I've instructed you how to, leave so that you, how to live so that you can please God. You've done it and keep doing it. And this is what he talks about. He says, you can please God just by being sexually pure. Right? Keep your sexuality in your marriage, right? That's pleasing to God. He says, when you love one another, when you come to church, you care for each other, you open up the door for each other, you help each other, you bring meals to each other, you are bringing pleasure to God. He's pleased by that. He says, even he goes on in verse 11 and, and 12, he says, you please God when you live a quiet life, when you keep, uh, you, you know, your your." Stay in your own business, stay out of other people's business, just live a quiet life, do your work. You're pleasing God. That doesn't seem so hard, right? First Timothy verse chapter 2 talks about pleasing God through living a peaceful, godly, holy lives. Even in Hebrews 13, it says, God's pleased when you share with others. Children, all right, you, you, can, you can please God by sharing with your friends, with your brother or sister, all right? Don't share the same straw out of your boba drink, right? We don't share germs, but we can share things, and that brings, that brings pleasure to God. So we tend to think, like, there's no way I can please God. I can't be perfect, but we see through here that God has pleased so many ways. And ultimately, remember this. Remember when Jesus was baptized, God said, this is my son, and I'm pleased with him. And if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, he is in you. And so when Christ sees you, he says, that's my, my daughter, my son. I'm pleased with them. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm pleased with you because you are in Christ. You bring more pleasure to, to God than you ever probably imagined. But all this starts with our motivations. Who are we living for? Are we trying to please people in this world, which you'll never do? Or can we live our lives with the motivation to bring pleasure to God? That's the, one of the first things we see in Paul's testimony, how he was changed. He used to live this way, and now he lives this way. He used to never think about God, and now God is the one who brings pleasure. And so for us, as we mature as followers of Jesus, this is one big part of a maturity who are we living for? Who are we trying to please? What is our motivation? Pleasing God is our motivation. All right, let's keep going. So we hear about the gospel as our motivator. The gospel is also, it reveals to us. It's, it's speaking to us. God is speaking to his people, to his church. In verse 11, 
He said, verse 11 and 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. Okay, going back to that argument, I didn't make it up. Nobody, nobody else made it up. I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We, we skip by that pretty quick. You know, ah, revelation of Jesus Christ. But think about it. Re- the revelation of Jesus Christ. That, that back on that road to Damascus, we talked about it last week, that, that God spoke to Paul, like out loud, like never happens to anybody else, but God did this to Paul. He spoke to him out loud, lights and all that. That was kind of that audible calling. But then he's, what he's talking about here is not that. What he's talking about is just God just through my relationship with him, just little by little, he's been revealing to me the gospel. How did that happen? He tells, tells like, skip down to verses 17 and 18. He says, though, kind of after, after he came to Christ, after they had that moment on the road, he says, I did not go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. So he's saying, once uh, God spoke to me and says, hey, Paul, I'm calling you. You can take the, the gospel to the Galatians. He didn't say, what is the gospel? I'm going to go to Peter and, and James and John. I'm going to find out. I'm going to learn it. He said, no, I didn't go there. I went the opposite direction. I went to go find some solitude. I went to get away from that. So he says, I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, so three years taking time to just to be with the Lord, to be with the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, reading those. God was revealing and showing him the gospel in the Old Testament, showing them about Christ, about grace. So Three years he sat there. After three years, I went to Jerusalem, got acquainted with Cephas, that's Peter, stayed with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. And the point is, is that Jesus was speaking to him. Jesus was revealing this gospel to him. He had a time of solitude, right? So he he didn't go to Jerusalem. He went to other cities. Now, don't, don't think he's in a cave, you know, by himself. I mean, there's big cities. Damascus is a big city. There's, we know that he did some, some teaching, but the point is he kind of had his, like, his seminary years, so to speak. He had three years. Incidentally, how long did the apostles have with Jesus? Three years. Three years of training. Paul had this three years of just kind of being with the Lord and letting him uh, reveal himself. So taking those three years... He heard God speak, and God spoke and showed him kind of what, what he wanted him to share, what he wanted to preach. Three years is a long time just to hear. And sometimes God reveals things fast, sometimes it's very quick, but sometimes it's very slow. It takes some time. It's a, it's a muscle that we need to build as Christians too, taking time to be with the Lord, let, taking time to let him uh, speak to us and understand what he wants us to, to learn. Tim Keller says this about, uh, about kind of being alone. He says, solitary time with God is fundamental for the Christian life, but the Christian is not a solitary one. The Christian life is not a solitary one. Like, we need to be alone with the Lord, but we're not supposed to be only with him. We're supposed to be in community. But we have to take time to let him speak to us, to hear him 
And after all that, he got this confirmation through others. That's when he went to Jerusalem. He says, here's the message that got put in my heart. And Peter and, and James said, that's exactly the message we have too. God spoke to both of us. So how does God speak today? Does God speak today? Does God speak to you? Remember, that was a question that I was asked in high school. I was about my, I think my junior, senior year, and one of my leaders said, well, what is God speaking to you about these days? And I was like, there ain't no way God does not speak to a little 17-year-old boy um, in Fresno. Um, yes, he does. All right, he's there. He's speaking. Are we hearing? Are we listening? So how does God speak today? Um, Hebrews chapter 1 says this. He says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. Various ways, various times. But in these days, these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, right, Jesus. So he's saying, in the past, there's prophets that came, right? Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and uh, Elijah, all these people, and they, they got these messages, they spoke it. That was how God spoke to his people. But, but now when Jesus came, Jesus says, I am the word of God. I, I'm speaking it. And so his sermons and his messages He's telling them, this is, I'm not talking through a third party, we're talking straight. I'm telling you the heart of God, what he wants you to know. The beautiful thing is, through the Holy Spirit, the gospel writers were able to capture those words. So we have God's word directly to us. Everything that God wants us to know is there. And then the beautiful thing is people like Paul and Peter, they took those things and they elaborated on That's our epistles. That's like this book right here where he's saying, and here's how it works out in our lives. We have the word of God. He speaks. And this is the primary way that he speaks. And so the obvious question is, church, if we are going to change, if we are going to transform, if we're going to have a testimony, we ought to be spending time hearing from God, letting him speak to us, taking time throughout the day, throughout the week, spending time in here and just saying, Lord, speak to me. What do you want me to hear? What are you trying to reveal to me? And he'll speak. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? Are we taking time to hear? Our lives are so busy. We have so much noise. Can we take time to say, Lord, I'm... You are revealing yourself. You are speaking. Can you, can you speak to me? Now, some people are not satisfied with that. They want more of a direct, more of a, a powerful voice, right? And you'll hear people say, talk like this, you know, oh, God told me this day to uh, wear a flannel because it's going to be cold, <laughs> you know, things like that. Like, I, I'm, I'm very careful with that. I, we have the Holy Spirit living in with us, no doubt. And the Holy Spirit can speak at any time. And I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking. I think part of this, our own, again, maturity, coming back to, like, how do you hear the Holy Spirit? Do you hear this Holy Spirit? Do you know his voice? Would you know that the difference between the Holy Spirit and your kind of thoughts? As we mature, I think that's important. We won't always get it right, but we're giving place for that. This is going to be fundamental, foundational. But as we read with this, I think the Holy Spirit can also just be speaking into our lives, too, and confirming this. I'll give you just a, an example. This doesn't happen to me often. I, like I said, I don't say all the time, like, oh, God spoke to me. He told me this or that. But it happens. And I think we've got to be listening. 
paying attention. So a couple weeks ago, just a couple weeks ago, if that, um, praying in the morning and just, just praying for the church and things like that. And I said this, I just, I prayed this. I said, Lord, would you give me shoulders that are strong enough and broad enough to carry this church, to carry ambassador? I mean, you've called me as your senior pastor. You've called me as your shepherd. Lord, give me shoulders to carry this church. And that was my prayer. And that, this is what I heard. And I had to say, is this my voice or is this God's voice? But um, this is what I heard. He said, um, your shoulders are not broad enough but I've given you broad shoulders. That's your staff, your pastoral staff. That's your elders. That's your people in your church. That no, you can't, that, that was it. Then I, thinking about that, just saying, yeah, I'm not built to carry this church by myself. That's why we have pastoral staff. We have such a great staff. I love our staff. And they're, they're right there with me. And our elders are fantastic elders. I love our elders. And I, I love how the way that they've been um, just, we've been just meeting together and just talking about how we, how we take the mission that God has called us and how do we apply that into all of our age groups and how do we lead our church on the mission he's called us to. Those are shoulders. The, all of you serving, all of you praying, all of you who care about this church, we're together. And I think that's biblical. And so for me, I would say, I think God can speak, and he does speak, but are we listening? And so how is God speaking to you, and how is he challenging you to know him deeper? So the first couple of things we see about transformation, it changes our motivations, and it changes what we listen to and how we listen. The third thing is just the gospel transforms, that God is the one who transforms lives. He's changing lives. He does it at his speed, at his time. We can't predict it. Right? God's on the move, but we can work with him. Okay? Look at, you know, Paul now tells his story a little bit in verse 13. He's saying, I was not a good person. I was kind of a bad person, right, to put it lightly. He says, for you have heard of the previous my, the previous way of life in Judaism. You've heard it. The story's been out there. My reputation precedes me, so to speak. He says, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I tried to destroy the church. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many in my own age, among my people. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father's. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. You hear that? Like, you've heard it. I, I had intense hatred for Jesus. I had intense hatred for his followers. Some were killed. Lots were put in jail. That's how I lived. But God called me. And God changed me. And then things went different. Look, skip down to verse 21. He says, then I went to Syria and to Cilicia. I was, he didn't go to Jerusalem. He went further away. He says, I was personally unknown to the churches in Judea that are in Christ. But they had heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. That's a testimony. They had heard this 
evil person was trying to destroy the church, and now he's planting churches. He was trying to destroy Christians, and now he's, he's building them up, hoping to see them flourish in Christ. That's a testimony, right? That's a changed lives. Here's this guy that is, all his mind is about is how does he please God through his religion, right? And he thought, I can please God by getting rid of Jesus and getting rid of his followers. I'll be religious and do all that. But then everything changed. And we see the gospel is not just for the irreligious. It's not just for those who are so far from anything religious. It's also for those who are religious, those who are trying to earn favor with God through their own works. That's the religious. And God came and brought him in. But look how it happened. Look at verse 15. It says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, he was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Do you see that word? He says, when God, he set me apart. He's, what, what is set apart? It's holy things. When God, he, he made me holy. He set me apart for that. He put his mark on me. When? When? When he was 30, when he was 20, when he was a little kid. It says, when I was in my mother's womb, before I was born, I was elected. Before I was born, God called me. Right? He, he said he's going to set him apart. But does the story, though, is odd. That's cool. I, I think most of us can say that. That's beautiful. I love that story. It's like Jeremiah said the same thing. You know, Jeremiah was this great prophet. He was set apart before he was born, and he had a, what a great ministry. But Paul had a totally different track. Set apart on this track to become a, a really zealous person, probably a Pharisee, he's on that track, and now he's killing Christians. He had killed Christians. He's putting them in jail. They're, they're so afraid of him. And then God calls him. Some of us might say, you waited a little too long, you know, God. You should have called him maybe like when he's a teenager or, you know, before all of that. But look at all the pain. But for whatever reason, it pleased God to do it at that time. Sometimes we think about this like, like uh, it's like, you know, God, he, he was so frustrated maybe with the disciples. Like, he says, disciples, I told you to go out to the Gentiles, and you're not doing it. You're just staying in Jerusalem. So how am I going to get someone out to the Gentiles? Who's going to do it? Oh, there's that guy in Damascus. He's a go-getter kind of guy. If I work with him, I think he can do it. That's not how it happened. God said, before you were born, Paul, you're going to do this. But I'm going to let you learn some things. And I'm going to let you be a bad guy. You're going to do some things that you're probably going to regret for the end of your life. But you know what? It's going to bring me glory. Because that testimony from the one who used to persecute and kill Christians is now loving Christians. The one who is trying to destroy the church is now building and planting the churches. So for whatever reason, God said, I'm calling you, but I'm going to wait some time. It reminds me of, uh, you guys read C.S. Lewis, Surprised by Joy, kind of his story. And he talks about how when he was young, he had a, a professor who was an atheist. And this professor came and, and kind of taught him how to defeat the Christian belief. 
You know, he taught them all the different arguments and all that. I was like, I'm going to make you a great atheist, and you're going to, you know, destroy all these, you know, Christian apologists. But little did he know that he was training him so that when he became a Christian, he would take that same thing but use it to build the faith, not to destroy it. So God has been doing this. It's the way God works. It's on his timeline, not always on ours. But God is the one who calls. And at the right time, that's when he brings them, brings his people to him. I would like it differently. You know, if I were Paul's mother, I would say, I would have wished that would have happened. Her father, I would have wished that would have happened a long time ago. But it's on God's timeline. But how do we work with God on that? I think this is important for parents. You know, parents, um, you know, we, we have these kids that God gives us, their gifts, you know, and we just want to bring them up in the faith and we want to present them before Christ. They follow him their whole lives. And sometimes that happens, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes our kids take a different track. Do we just give up on them? Or do we keep praying and just saying, Lord, keep calling them. Keep, at, at your time, when it's right, call them and bring them back. Like, don't give up. And I know we have our students in here today, too. And I just want to encourage you, like, hey, seek the Lord. Listen to him. He's calling you. He's calling you right now. What the amazing things you can do for God when you're in junior high, when you're in high school. How you can live for him, how you can stand and say, I am not going to be set out to please all my friends. I'm going to seek to please the Lord. And how am I going to do that? How can I please him and just give him glory? How can you use me, Lord? Speak to me now because he is, guys. You're not too young. God is maybe calling you right now. So, when we look at this testimony, Paul's like defending himself and kind of sharing his side of the story, but there's a lot that we can learn about a transformed life, isn't there? The motivations, who we live for, how we uh, please him, who we listen to and how we listen and how we participate with God in that journey. So if God is calling you, how do you respond Maybe for some of you, he's calling you saying, hey, you have been, you've been walking with me for a while, but it's time for you to, to kind of change some of these motivations. It's time for you to start like listening because I have so much to tell you. So it's time for you to change maybe some of your behaviors and, and align yourself with Christ and, and spend some time in his word and just say, I'm here to receive. Speak, Lord, speak. I want to participate with you. And maybe some of you, you're not even there, and, but you're here, and you maybe sense this. God is calling you. He's calling you. Maybe you've sensed this kind of throughout your life. You've kind of had this, this little uh, nagging, you know, or, or just this little thought about God, and maybe now is the time. This is your Paul moment to say, I give up. I surrender. I'm coming in faith in Jesus Christ, and that's it. I'm putting my faith before you, Lord. That's what pleases you. And may now I live my life to please you. This is a time for change. Because we have been just kind of eking along for so long. But what is God calling us to? He's not calling us to stay the same. He's calling us into the deep waters. It's scary out there. Deep waters are scary. But that's where God meets us. 
He's transforming lives. May we not go throughout this year without being transformed, but will we go through this year listening, spending time in his word and saying, how can you speak to me? How are you speaking to me? Where are you leading me? What do you want for me? How can I serve you? How can I love you? How can my testimony bring glory to others, bring glory to you? That's what I want from our church. Let's not say the same. That last verse, verse 24, says, and they praised God because of me. Because of what God did in him. We want our testimonies to bring glory to him. And so how can we walk with Christ? So let God speak to you. I want you to consider those things. Those of you who are in small groups, this is a great topic to talk about, and hopefully you get into that. If you're not in a small group, keep talking to somebody, find, find, or find a small group. Preferably. Some are meeting today right at a church. Um, but let's take time to really listen. What is God calling us to? How is he transforming you to become more like Christ? Amen?